4: This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Hey guys, it's Sammy J and welcome to season three of the Let's Be Real Podcast. My goodness, that's weird to say. Um, You cannot see me, but I have a ginormous smile on my face. I am so honored that we are launching our third season with the very talented Wayne Brady. This guy can do it all. And when I say that, he can dance, he can perform, he can improvise like nobody's business. And I've watched him for years, and I'm so honored that he took the time to come on my podcast. And I also just want to take a quick moment before we get into the episode To thank all of you for listening, for subscribing, to DMing me, for just supporting this podcast, because I honestly never thought we'd be here. I came up with this podcast when I was going through a really rough time, and it was to help myself and to help others if I could. And I'm so glad that you guys have responded to this podcast in this way. I hope you guys love this episode. It's the start of so many great episodes in the third season. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Let's Be Real podcast and leave a comment, and I will see you guys very soon. Enjoy. Wayne Brady, I am so happy you're here. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
6: Let alone the first episode of season three, which is so crazy to say.
0: Congratulations. That's awesome.
6: Especially since we did the entire second season during a global pandemic. Um, which I want to talk to you about because we're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but we've been stuck inside for so long. I want to talk about how it affected your mental health in a little bit. But first, how did you deal with it uh, professionally?
0: Well, my thing is a little different, I think, because I was working straight through the pandemic. Uh, I I was on the sitcom The Neighborhood when, when everything stopped. Then we had to pivot. We started working from my my home, myself and my uh, my production team. Who was my ex-wife, Mandy? Who was my partner and her boyfriend, Jason? We have a production company, so we started shooting things here. We shot the um, a tribute to Little Richard for the BET Awards. Um, we've done four national commercials here, countless uh, corporate shows. So we were back at work almost immediately, making the hustle happen here. We resumed production on some things, I think, early fall of last year. That was a culture shock because now we're back around people and everyone's getting tested. It's
6: weird.
0: It's weird, but it was really cool. And we managed to do a whole season of Let's Make a Deal um, in a COVID space, and it ended up being amazing. So I've had a great time working during pandemic.
6: Wow. So was the audience virtual?
0: the audience for for let's make a deal we have 16 people that are part of a virtual audience but then we had a small group of 16 people that that were there with us live so it was a small audience but it was it's so intimate and still fun and and a great party vibe and it's like ha- having a game night with your friends
6: see i feel like we could all use that now especially I don't know about you, but I've been when I watch TVs and movies now and I see people in a crowded space, I'm like, why aren't they wearing a mask Mm -hmm. or why aren't they social distancing? And the fact (laughs) that that's my instinct now is crazy.
0: Well, it's not crazy because it's actually a part of of life. It's like any any event that affects us as a culture and it affects us globally. So I think that the good shows are the ones that have been able to reflect real life to show, hey, this has happened or this is happening. Certain shows tend to go, well, we don't want to bring it up and we're just going to pretend it doesn't exist. And for me, those are the ones that I get taken out of because I go, wait a minute, if you're saying that that happened last week, no way, because people are still walking around in masks. It's still an issue.
6: That's super interesting. Have there been any good TV show binges that you've been enjoying over the past year?
0: Oh, man, I don't even, just off the top of my head, I I don't, uh, I think the Marvel stuff, Absolutely. Uh, WandaVision was a great binge. Um, uh, definitely the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, great binge. I took this opportunity. I'm an avid reader anyway, but there were lots of books that I wanted to take advantage of and, and things I wanted to write. And, and, and I tried to use this whole period as a time to get ready. So, so I tried to binge on, binge on the things that I hadn't been been doing in terms of being a creator.
6: When I was a senior in high school, I knew that if I was going to watch a show, I would binge the entire thing. Wow. So I made a deal with myself that under no circumstances during the fall semester, I would start a new show because I knew I wouldn't focus on anything else. Yes. But I'm now happy to report that as a freshman in college, I am ready to start binging many shows.
0: Congratulations. That's what I was telling my daughter. You know, she she's a senior as well, and and she she got all of her her stuff done, and it's amazing to see see seniors with with willpower. Because I I don't know if I would have been able to handle it being being a senior, being being stuck at home, being responsible for for doing home the homeschooling, and you've got to get get your college stuff together while there's such a big world of entertainment. Come on, that's hard. So good job.
6: Well, thank you. But the one good thing I will say out of the pandemic for me is that the SAT and ACT were canceled and I'm a terrible test taker. So that was the one way I was like, thank goodness, because I just can't I'm not a test taker. My brain doesn't work that way.
0: And not everyone's brain does. I mean, that's a whole different conversation in terms of of uh, the, the standardized testing. You know, what what is standard? That's that's what I love about being a creative.
7: Exactly.
0: What is standard? Your standard is different than mine. I think a different way than you do. So you cannot be expected to be judged on my level, nor nor me on you. So judge each person as as their individual merits come up, especially when when it comes to matters of, of an intellectual nature.
6: If you think about it, everybody's brain is wired differently. Yep. So why are we introducing things, taking tests a certain way for every person? It just doesn't make sense.
0: Because some, some, sometimes people like a cookie cutter. That's yeah. why the, you know, the cookie that's shaped differently sticks out. Um, but I find that that uh, that especially in what what we do, it's better. To have your own point of view, it's better to learn the things that you want to learn, and that's the only piece of advice that I gave my daughter. She just committed to to a Loyola Marymount. Is I said, look, do whatever you want to do. She wants to study theater, and she got accepted in the program. It's great so awesome. do whatever you want to do, but just make sure that you are approaching it in a way that you want, because ultimately, at the end of the day, you know it's your your journey, and be as different as you can. Don't don't try to walk some, someone else's path and and stay in the lines.
7: And that's
6: something I really struggled with. High school was not my biggest fan ever. Um, And it was, (laughs) you know, when I live in New York City, when you go to schools, it's what's popular. It's the way things are done. People wear the same things. And I always struggled with that. And I feel like I'm Mm -hmm. at a point where I'm finally starting to embrace and realize that being different and being myself is actually a good thing instead of a negative.
0: Yes. Yes, being yourself is not just a good thing. It's a great thing, and I think it's necessary. But, you know, the story never changes. I've been out of high school a long time, and it's the same, you know, it's the same story. You want to fit in because we are social creatures. We are social animals. We, we, we like to be a herd, but you can be part of the herd, and you can enjoy things that other people enjoy, but at the end of the day, you don't have to lose your identity. And yeah. That's the thing that high school, I had a problem with in high school as well until I started acting and I was exposed to so much and to creativity and to people that wanted to think differently, that, that wanted to color outside of the line, that wanted to do crazy characters, that wanted to have weird conversations that challenged you. That, that's something I think that, it, that you, you could take with you for, for the rest of your life.
6: I always remind myself if I'm mad or upset with myself, first, I realized to stop comparing myself. The second, I realized if I wasn't myself, I wouldn't have this podcast. Yes. I'm glad for that. And I think everyone should embrace that. And I think social media also depicts this image where, especially being a teenager in this time period where we're all on our phones, we need to just realize that it's fake. And if we embrace ourselves, that's what's best for all of us, I think.
0: We didn't have social media when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And... And, and, and I wonder about that because my generation didn't have that pressure, but what we did have was we still had the same pressure that social media brings, except it was, it was, oh, what jacket are you wearing? What music are you listening to? Do you like the same things that I do? Um, uh, Those same things, but your generation has it so much harder (laughs) because you've got pictures in front of you every day saying, this is how you should look. This is the best way to do your makeup. These are the artists that you should like. And if you don't like these things, then I can, then you're not great. And social media is dope. It's a really wonderful way to disseminate information and, and to get comedy and to share experiences. But that's the downside that I don't like. Yeah. And as the parent of a teen, I've seen how it can influence and how it can cause a lot of distress.
6: Yeah. And it really affects, I think, affected my mental health more than ever. During, I think, winter break of my sophomore year, I was like, I need to cut social media out. So for the entire two weeks, I shut my phone off and I had so much extra time. I taught myself how to play the ukulele because the amount of time I was on my screen, it like my day opened up.
0: You taught yourself to play the ukulele. Yes, I did. awesome.
6: Yes, I did. It was fun. Do
0: Do you have the ukulele with you right now?
6: I don't, but those two weeks were so lovely. I lo- You were on it. I was on it. I taught myself how to play Somewhere Over the Rainbow.
0: See, that, that, that's a great use of time. I, I'm inspired now because I keep saying that I want to be able to play an instrument really well. Like I have hardly can play, play the piano enough to write, but I thought, you know, the pandemic, I'll sit down and I'll really focus. I didn't learn to play anything, <laughs> so, I, so, so I applaud you for your two weeks. Good job.
6: I appreciate that. It wasn't out of a place of like motivation. It was when my anxiety was at its worst. It was actually the time I created this podcast because my anxiety was so bad and I needed to take time out and really ground myself and think mm-hmm. about what inspires me. And honestly, sometimes negative situations, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have this podcast. So I think when you turn anything to a positive, it you don't know what can happen. And that's what life is. And it's great.
0: Bingo. You nailed it. And, and that's why you shouldn't compare because you end up, especially in the entertainment business, you see someone's journey and you're like, wow, they've got X, Y, and Z. Why am I not there? You're exactly where you're supposed to. You, the, each event that, that has happened has led you to that place. And like when I get interviewed, sometimes folks go, oh, well, you're saying you dance, you act, you do this. Pick one. I go, no. And it's not me being coy. It's because, truly, if I didn't do any of the things that I learned to do or that are in me, we wouldn't be having this talk right now because I wouldn't have been able to do the show that got me to that place so that we're doing this. Yeah. So we just need to embrace the things that we've got and, and keep it moving.
6: Exactly. And though I was off social media for those two weeks completely, I will say I've been on TikTok way too much because of this pandemic. And I have gone down <laughs> the whole of it. It's possible. It is. And I will say, I love your TikTok. It I am intrigued. Oh, thank you. I am entertained. How would you say that's your favorite app at the moment, or social media app?
0: Um yes. Yeah, okay. TikTok. Because I like for someone who i I've, I've labeled myself in the past, you know, that I'm very much an introvert and I'm not an incredibly sociable person when I'm not on camera or on screen. And and it's nothing against other people. I just like my own company. Yeah. So TikTok opens me to the fact that I love the TikTok community. Like I like watching people comment on each other's pictures. And for the most part, they're very positive. People love seeing other people win. And that does something for me. So that's why I do like that, that app. And if you'd have told me before the pandemic, that I would enjoy TikTok, I would have laughed at you. In fact, I did laugh when, when my daughter first brought it up to me, Miley, when she said, oh, let's do a TikTok. Like, what What the hell is this? No, it's just silly. That I'm, was me. Ah, I'm grown, right? But But it's fun.
6: It really is. And I was hesitant for a while because when I was like 13, I got into Musical.ly, which is like what it was. Mm-hmm. And I would spend hours doing these hand motions, whatever it was. And it was just, I was hesitant to go back down that hole, but I'm glad I did because it... When you, there's a good and bad to every app, of course, but when you find the positive side of it, it's so much fun.
0: The editing is cool and, and jumping on the dance challenges are great. Yeah. And I love watching people use it to be creative. I think that's what TikTok has really exploded into. The creativity on TikTok is great, the comedy on TikTok is great, and you can find anything you want. It's almost like if you like battle rap, there are people doing battle rap. If you like poly TikTok, then, then, then there's an amazing Polynesian TikTok and all the culture and dances. If you like uh, modern dance or jazz, if you like comedy, a news TikTok, the socially conscious feed, it, it's, it's really opened my eyes to social media. So I've stopped being angry and going, I'm not going on social media, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Now I truly enjoy it.
6: And I will say, I've been very inspired on there. I don't know if you've heard of um, Emily and Abigail. They created uh, Bridgerton the Musical, where they...
0: I love it. It's great.
6: We ha- so we had them on this podcast, and its they're doing it all in their house. And they just finished the concept album. I'm like, that's incredible.
0: Your generation, I'm telling you, I'm so proud of you guys. Because TikTok, um, I was involved in Ratatouille the Musical, and it started off the same way it was a concept and all of a sudden the community ran with that concept and the next thing you know you have something where all these broadway stars where we're all online doing ratatouille the <laughs> musical and now bridges the musical has a concept album and all these people have tuned into it tiktok is changing the way that we view getting things done in response to your first question about handling the pandemic i think that's the coolest thing that i've seen the pandemic has shown me And you're a perfect example of it. Just because your circumstance says you're stuck here and you can't do something outside, you go, you know what? I'm going to get this done. And it happens. That's amazing to me. You don't need to wait for anyone to make something happen. So hats off.
6: I think one of the biggest things is that for a lot of people with my generation, we don't necessarily ask permission to do something. We do it. And then whatever comes from it, comes from it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've been going through the pandemic for about a year and a half now, and the pandemic mixed with social media, it can affect your mental health in a lot of ways. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you about the cocktail of the pandemic and mental health and how you've been dealing with it. We'll be right back.
1: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast,
5: Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart
3: Podcasts.
7: I'm very jealous (laughs) of your generation that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations where black women's voices unite. And together, you know how we do we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back.
6: Let's get into the pandemic and mental health. First off, how are you doing?
0: I mean, I suppose it's been like everyone in the sense of I and the rest of my family, we engage in therapy regularly. So we have, so we make it a point to reach out to our therapists and we talk, we talk to each other. We have family therapy and we have individual therapy. So important. And years ago, I kind of thought that therapy was, you know, the, the old thing is, ah, I'm not or I'm not crazy. Why do I need therapy? And, and you know, use those words yeah. that are very, very rough, you know, about therapy until I re- realized ther- therapy is simply a way of you talking. And, and the more you can talk and share, you can lighten that load, not just for yourself, but for someone else. Yeah. So my mental health, I'd like to think it was decent because I kept using those tools. Which, in a place where we were shut down, you couldn't have any interaction with your friends or family. I, I didn't see my mom for a year and a little bit. Um, it can get dark. Yeah. And I know that that's, wh- wh- whether you're a teenager, you're an adult or whatever, you need that sense of, of connection. So we really dug into the therapy to keep our sense of connection and sense of self.
6: I've been going to therapy on and off since I was, I think, seven. And I don't understand why there's a stigma with it. Because just like with exercising your body, it's exercising your mind and becoming the best person you can. If you have more strategies to help you if you have anxiety or depression or OCD, like utilize those because it can really help.
0: Well, that that wasn't the narrative, yeah. you know, the the weird narrative, I think the narrative about your mental health goes hand in hand with the outdated thing of telling little boys to 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 act like men exactly. and telling girls to, to be a lady. There are all these outdated modes of thinking that have been passed from generation to generation. And the mental health piece was one of it. It's like, it's okay to be physically strong and to suck it up, man up.
6: That's what you heard a lot, man up.
0: Man up well, what does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> if I feel, <laughs> what does that mean?
6: Or like so, you play so, like a girl. It's like, okay, I, right. what? Is that supposed to be an insult? I am a girl.
0: Right. Th- those, those, those are so outdated. So I think, I think, once again, your generation is part of the push to change all of those narratives to show that therapy isn't a dirty word. It isn't to be stigmatized. You, you are not to be shunned you you shouldn't be afraid of telling your friends. Oh, I may be in mental distress without it being a thing. It it's it's it should be just as commonplace. You're right as going to the gym. Like I'm gonna go to the gym, and then after the gym, I'm going to my therapist because I'm gonna work out here, here, and here. You know
6: exactly. And you know I remember the thing in the beginning of high school. I didn't tell anyone I went to therapy, and some of my old friends, their parents, um said it was for the crazy. So if I ever brought it up, it was for the crazy. So I didn't tell anybody. Wow. And I think that brought a little bit of shame to it. But when I realized how much I was growing as a person and other people weren't, it just made me realize, okay, I'm doing what's right for me. If they're not, that's their issue.
0: Right. It's health. Yeah. That's why it's mental health. It's so weird to me that there is not a stigma in everyone's head about... Smoking or doing some something that can damage your body, but there's stigma about getting health, health and healthy for for your mind and your heart.
6: For example, juuling, right? Uh, social media and teens they normalize it. Be like, oh, I'm just gonna hit the jewel, and so that became normal and not a bad thing. So why don't we just normalize therapy where it's actually because it's that's actually normal, and don't do that with things that aren't good for you.
0: Well you're a part of that conversation. Yeah. By you having this talk right now and you using your platform, you're a part of the normalization process to your peer group. Yeah. So that's why, why we need conversations like this.
6: Yeah, and that's what I set out to do with this podcast. You know, I feel like there's so much fakeness and, you know, a lot of the time there are so many media-trained answers and things are so protected. But if we are just have an honest conversation and it helps one person feel less alone, like, think of what that could do.
0: Yeah. That's why um, I just re- realized, I was like, yeah, like the name of your podcast, that's the thing, you know? Let's be real, man. Let's be real. That's what it is. That, that, that if you can just cut to the chase of, of be, be real with, with where, where you are mentally, be real with the fact that if you need help, be real with how you're feeling, No, nothing bad can come out of you truly connecting with your feelings.
6: Yeah. And it's, also, it's okay to not be okay all the time. I think that's important too. Yeah. Like, yes. Just say that. And that's fine. Cause we're, we're our mood changes, you know?
0: Oh, uh, thank goodness for, for you, man. This really, we need this message spread far and wide and it has to come out just as naturally as all the other stuff that we end up spreading on social media. Exactly. So 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 for every so so like to me, that if somebody wants to be an influencer, you know, no know, know that every young person wants to be an influencer, in influence this. Influence mental health. Influence being able to connect and communicate. Yeah. That's a good thing.
6: And I think the other thing that's so interesting is to normalize something is important, but Sometimes, if you noticed, especially on TikTok or social media, people are like, I'm having an anxiety attack. It's like, no, you're anxious. There's a difference. And I think when people don't distinguish that, it takes away from people who are actually struggling. So there's a balance with everything.
0: Well, it's education. Exactly. So if we normalize everything and if we have the discussions about mental health, then people will know the difference between that they they too they will know how to communicate in the language of therapy they will know how to talk about how they feel right now because it's not common people are just taking their best stabs at it and (laughs) that's why why they say say things things like that
6: i will say something that's helped me with my anxiety is distraction when i'm distracted i don't worry about my thoughts and I will say, I'm not going to lie, sometimes when I've been really anxious, I do watch Whose Line Is It Anyways, and it actually does really help distract me, and it brings me some laughter. Right up. I
0: have some questions
6: for you regarding that. Shoot. So I know it's all on the spot, but do you not have any preparation at all?
0: No, there's no preparation. None.
6: That's beyond amazing to me. I mean, besides improv and having no heads up, it's also the songs you guys create on the spot. It's genius.
0: Oh, thank you.
6: You've done Who's Line for many years now. What would you say your favorite memories are?
0: There are things that we've done on Who's Line that, that have touched me because of the people I've done it with, mm-hmm. like getting to improvise with Robin Williams. That's a dream to, yeah. to, to be able to do things things like that uh, with, with, and this is the old version, not the version that we have on the CW now, but Robin Williams, Whoopi Goldberg, to meet some of my comedy heroes. Those are the moments that I go, oh man, I remember that, that, that was completely awesome. But in terms of remembering the moments and the specific games, not necessarily, because you're just having fun. Yeah. For us doing the show, it's like when you hang out with your friends, you're just doing the thing that's in the moment and then it's finished. And then you look at it later. I'm still surprised when, when I go back and like my daughter will be watching something or a clip will pop up on Buzzfeed or someone goes, Hey, look at this. I go, Oh, that's really cool. Oh my gosh. That's funny as hell. <laughs> okay. So so I, I kind came of up dump with that word scheme right
6: it. there. That's impressive.
0: Yeah. So, so that's, that's my fun is, yeah. is seeing it later and being reminded of it.
6: I find improv So interesting and so fun to watch. And from the outside looking in, you make it seem so easy, even though it is so not. My cousin actually took a couple improv classes.
0: Oh, that's good.
6: And he was telling me how hard and difficult it was at first, but that the more he got comfortable with it, he had a new sense of confidence. Do you remember the first time you ever improvised?
0: No, not really, uh, because uh, I think it was in in a class setting um but oh but but i will say i'm so happy for for your cousin and e- even though i don't remember the first time i did it i do remember the sense of of uh of confidence that does come from once it's a skill that you've started to open and this is where people get get tripped up just because you see us do it on who's line you aren't supposed to be able to do it i mean <laughs> like really, when you watch a football game, are you going to run down on the field and you mean to tell me you think right now you can play as well as any of the guys on that football team oh, that's that have so put true. in years of work? It's a, it's a skill set. It's a real skill set. Do you really go is. and you tell, tell your doctor, oh, you know what? This surgery thing <laughs> looks like... No, it's a skill set. So first, let that go. If you take an improv class, don't worry about being funny. This is the methodology that I try to tell people. It's about learning the skills that can unlock that self-confidence for you, like you are saying that that your cousin had. When when I've taught in the past, and uh, there's there's a curriculum that I'm working on, and a and a piece of my company that we're gonna start doing doing applied improvisation to to court to businesses. And this can has you do been it for schools?
6: For I would do yes. that. Well, awesome. well,
0: that's part of what, what, what we're going to be doing and part, part of what different companies have, have done. It's to teach the skill set of yes and, of listening, of, of the communication. It's not about being funny. It's to be able to give you the power to stand on stage, to be able to speak to someone. Because if you really think about the energy that it takes for a lot of people, not, not everyone, because there are people who are born communicators. I'm not one of those people the energy that it takes me to be able to start a conversation with someone that I don't know, right? Like you're starting from zero. It stresses Hi. me
6: out just you, thinking about it.
0: Right? It's amazing. Yeah. You, Oh no, I've got to talk to this person. What am I going to say? About, huh? Improvisation or learning those basic tenets gives you a, a foundation in public speaking. You can look someone in the eye. You can talk to them. You can make your point clearly. You, you don't have to beat around the bush. You can open your mind to different avenues of thinking and quickly. The funny part, that's an, that's an add-on that is a very skill-specific thing. The, the basic skills of it, that's what I wish that, because those skills are actually kind of tied into what we're talking about. Those are therapeutic skills. Yeah. The, the, the listening piece and and the communication piece, those are all Therapeutic pieces that improv locks into.
6: What would you say your favorite go-to improv exercises?
0: When I'm teaching, or my favorite, uh, I think that I love any exercise that opens that opens your mind in terms of your pathways and and makes your thinking flexible. So, so it can be any exercise. It just has to be something that gets you thinking. So, even if it's something silly. Like there's an improv exercise called, uh, called, uh, one word at a time story where you're listening to somebody else and trying to tell a story or this thing called bunny, 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 where, where it's a physical game where you're in a circle and you're passing a bunny and people are jumping around. It's, it's, it's big and silly, but it's designed to free you up. Yeah. So those are the things I think. So in a classroom setting, those are good, good exercises.
6: I loved what you said about how it's, it's like the therapy exercises. It's communicating. Mm-hmm. It's looking people in the eye. Um, you've done so much. Is there something you haven't done yet that you want to do?
0: The list of things that I haven't done is almost greater uh, than the list of things that I've done. Really? Um, I, I have so many things that I'd love to finish um, and projects that I'd love to be involved in, films that I'd love to do, roles on Broadway that I'd love to create, projects that I want to write songs that I want to sing, uh, I think that you should have that list until the day you leave the earth. Yeah. That you should never just go, ah, I'm, I'm done. Yay. No.
6: You should write a musical. Have you Have you written a musical? I feel like it would be incredible.
0: Oh, well, I thank you for that vote of confidence. <laughs> we, we're, we're working on a Broadway show right now that we've had in development for about a year and a half to, to, to two years that'll have music in it that, knock on wood, that'll be something that, that I'll be taking to Broadway next year. But I, I just like telling stories. Yeah. So if it happens to take the form of a musical, then I would be honored.
6: I'm so excited that Broadway is coming back. It's official. Like, I've seen on Instagram people, like, at these shows, and I'm like, oh, the one time I want to be in New York.
0: Yeah, last time I was on Broadway was a was over a year, and like, almost a year and a half ago when I was with um, Freestyle Love Supreme.
6: I saw that.
0: Broadway, come on back, baby.
6: Yes. So one of my favorite things about Freestyle Love Supreme is that they take your phones, that you can't access them. That was like, this is refreshing.
0: Not only for the social media aspect, I love the fact that Lynn and Tommy wanted to do that. But to your question about something like Who's Lying, I love the fact that that experience that you have as an audience member that night, that's it. You don't have the video. You can't go back. You can't post it. It speaks to the essence of improvisation. The thing that you like that night is only going to live on in your memory. And that is such an amazing way to present art.
6: My grandma's professional pianist. We grew up on musicals. Is there a certain musical that you wish you could be in on Broadway? If you could choose any musical, be any character in that musical, what would it be?
0: Hmm. I'm lucky enough that I've Gotten to be in some of the musicals that I really loved, like I was Lola and in Kinky Boots,
6: Hamilton,
0: and Hamilton, Billy Flynn in Chicago, and and I mean, I wish uh, I was Tom Collins in Rent. Uh, I wish that I could have been seaweed in Hairspray. Ooh! I, I wish that I would have been seaweed in Hairspray. That that's something that uh, yeah, yeah, really okay. wanted to be seaweed in Hairspray.
6: Okay, we have to take one more quick break, but when we come back, as a huge Hamilton fan, I want to hear about your experience playing Aaron Burr in Hamilton. We'll be right back.
1: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip.
2: About six million.
3: Approximately eleven million dollars.
4: Nearly ten million dollars was all gone.
3: Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry.
2: She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man (laughs) because she is on the prowl.
3: Listen to Queen of the Con Season Five: The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption.
7: We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish.
8: Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: And we're back. Let's talk about your experience in Hamilton. Okay, first of all, what was that like?
0: I've done a lot of musicals in my life, but yeah. doing Hamilton was the closest that you could get to being in a a rock concert or a spectacle. That as soon as you walk out, like starting off the show is Burr. You know, you hear pump, dun, dun, dun. My opening night, you hear the pump, dun, and then it's just ah, so you can't even hear the music when to come in on how How does a bastard orphan son of a you can't hear that because the audience especially at that point because it really was just a year after the first cast so it's still like an event yeah so people are watching that show like it's their favorite pop star or their favorite rapper or someone they came knowing every word also like (laughs) singing along with you and looking you in the eye in the front row you're like I can't mess these words up because these little (laughs) 15 year olds Kids will 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 be <laughs> mad at me at, after the show. It, it's it's amazing. It truly is one of the highlights of my career. Uh, just amazing.
6: When when I saw it after, I felt like I was floating. It was the weirdest experience. It was the most because you you feel every emotion in that show quite literally. Everything.
0: It's a it's it's such a roller coaster. I felt that. Lynn Lynn has an amazing job, and Tommy Tom and Kale as a director as a team, when I first saw In the Heights, I felt that way. I saw In In the Heights like five times right off the bat before I ever met met Lynn. And then in seeing Hamilton for the first time, I felt that way. You know that you're seeing something that is new. It's broken the paradigm of what musicals are. You leave going, "Oh, oh my God, I'm so inspired. I'm ready to just, oh, this is great. That's, I felt the same way. I love that feeling. I love that feeling.
6: It's magical, and I think that's what what musicals do. Mm -hmm. They they tell a story in a way that when it's live, it's so incredible. Nothing like it. Yeah. What would you say the best advice you've ever received is that you wish you could pass on?
0: Um, I'd say the best advice is actually very simple advice that it's not going to sound like it's groundbreaking, but the older... I get, and the longer that I've been in business, Mm -hmm. the longer that I've been alive, it makes more sense to me. It truly is know who you are, get to know yourself. And the reason why I think it's such good advice, and it's easier said than done, especially when you're in a business where your job is to play make believe, or it's to even if you're a personality on TV or a talk show or a podcast, you are a heightened version of yourself. If you get to know who you are, right, decisions become easier. If you know the things that you like, if you know the things you don't like, if you know the people that you want around you, if you know the things that you will fight for, if you know the things you will settle for, if you know the crap you won't take, if you know those things, your decisions almost become magically easy. You don't have to stress about it. If, a, yeah. if something is presented to you and you know, I will not accept that. No, thank you. Or that's really what I want to do. I'm doing this. It took me a long time to learn myself, to become myself. And I tell that to my daughter or to young actors when I teach. I spent, I think the first five years of my on TV career, not knowing who I was because that wasn't the path that I thought that I would be presented. And all of a sudden I've got all these options. I wasn't prepared to go yes or no. I was like, "Uh, sure. Uh, Okay. Uh, I guess. No, good decisions are not made with, uh, I guess. So if you're younger and you start the process now of saying, this is what I want. And it doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way because you're going to change who you are now is different, who you will be, As someone that graduates college, who you will be at 30, who you will be for the rest of your life. But you can keep updating that list as long as you've got a good baseline. That's the thing. Don't wait until you're 30 to start figuring out who you are. That's what I did. I was like, oh, I I guess I'll start that work now. No, get into it.
6: That's a great piece of advice. So important. We should all live by that more.
0: Well, glad I could help.
6: When you're creating projects, Mm -hmm. how do you balance your vision for something while pleasing other people and trying to make something that the audience will still like?
0: I've created a couple shows, but I mean, I think I can speak from the perspective of working with great people who have created the shows that, that I've been on. Once again, you can't, you can't worry about making the audience happy. Now I say that. Of course, the audience has to be happy. You want to create a show that people watch. Yeah. So that just goes without saying. So when I say don't worry about making the audience happy, I don't mean you create in a vacuum and go, whatever. What I mean is, if you've got a story, and like, this is the story that is going to be told, as long as the story is told masterfully and use like, this is the story, you're not going to make ev- everybody happy because not everyone has the same taste. Yeah. Uh, we we sit at home all the time. There are some of my favorite shows that I watch and I go, no, she (laughs) shouldn't be with him. I would have had her go with the other boyfriend that she met in high school. But that wasn't the story that they told. So I think as long as you pick a lane, this is the story and you rock with it and you go and you are fully committed to it. Even if someone doesn't like it, they have to respect the effort and what it is.
6: I completely agree with you and I think that's something that I'm struggling with a little bit focusing on what I want but also trying to make things marketable what's appealing and it's a really interesting balance but I think you're so right and you just have to follow your instincts.
0: But but there is a balance and so I think the balance starts with know the marketplace. What's an idea that people would like to see? Present that idea but do it your way.
6: My dad always says he says, you know, if everyone could do it, that it'd be easy.
0: Exactly. If everyone could do it, it would be easy. That's that sums it all up. And that goes back to whether you're at home going, oh, I can do that improv thing or or whether you're watching how How I met your mother going, well, that ending sucks. You didn't do it. Someone did it. Someone else put a lot of work and became an outlier to be able to craft that thing.
6: I think also it's appreciating the art and just the journey of it. I think that's we all, a lot of the time as a society we focusing on we focus on the ending of something but then we forget about how wonderful the entire thing was as a whole, I feel like.
0: Yes. Go ahead, speak on it. You're <laughs> you're so you're so good. Yeah.
6: Well, thank you Wayne for coming on my podcast. I this conversation has really inspired me and I'm excited good. for everything that's to come and I know you're working on a lot and I'm excited for the possible Broadway sometime next year
0: keep your eye out it's gonna be good it's gonna be really good
6: okay I will come many times to the show
0: okay I hold you to that
6: yeah absolutely well thank you
0: it's my pleasure and I truly do I'm so glad that I got to talk to you to you I support you and I'm wishing the best for you go out there and kill it
6: So much for listening to the first episode of season 3. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Wayne, if you're if you're listening, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I cannot express to you how surreal and special that conversation was to me. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, something you like, maybe something you didn't like, suggestions for other people you want to have on. I love to read your comments. You can also DM me and follow me on Instagram at J. That's i t s s. A-M-M-Y-J-A-Y-E. I love talking to you guys. Season three, get excited, you guys. Next week, I have a very special guest, a friend of mine, that, trust me, you won't want to miss. I'll see you next week. Bye.
1: Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A.,
4: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I used to have so
3: many men...